Welcome back to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a bullish, buoyant breakdown of the Canaries' brilliant season to come for you, our dearest Nodgecasters. The new season is less than 60 hours away, and this week we'll dissect the movements made in the window so far, compare this squad to that which underwhelmed us all too often last season, take your excellent questions, and make some probably ill-advised and half-assed predictions. As always, we'll round off with the ACN quiz. I'm joined, as ever, by Lorne. Hey, everybody. John. Hello. And one of our most popular guests of last season makes a welcome return, the professional footy talker, Dan O'Hagan. Hello, thanks for having me back. Opening it up, we, we did touch on our preview article, for those who have read it, over at alongcomenorwich.com, um, on the, the, the signings we thought were best. Lorne, um, what would you say was the, the summary for what we thought had been the best piece of business across the team? Uh, I think the best individual piece of business is Leitner, without a doubt. Uh, getting him back, I would quite happily have taken 20 million, got rid of James Madison and brought Leitner in uh, at this time last season obviously you like both but I'd take that as a bit of business and I think having him is a major coup I also think that Ben Marshall and Kenny McLean will be real standout performers this season Dan was there anything that particularly surprised you in terms of where the, the team was strengthened or maybe where it wasn't not really I think obviously Angus Gunn has gone so I think to get Tim Crullin was a, a very clever acquisition World Cup goalkeeper four years ago in for a free transfer brilliant I think maybe surprise at right back to bring in um, Paslak when Ivo Pinto's there. I think Pinto has been a decent player for a couple of years now, but Paslak um, didn't play at all for Hoffenheim last year, really, on loan from Dortmund. Has come in, um, player with huge potential. As a young man in Germany, was was a, a really highly thought of player. Build the next Marco Royce at one point in Dortmund's youth mm. team. High praise indeed. But plays now as a right wing back. So maybe that wasn't an area you'd have said they really needed players in to strengthen. Um, before the season started, but yeah, good business. And um, I just wonder if there's still one striker light. I think um, obviously Rhodes and Pookie Oliveira will probably move on. And then you've got Scrabani. I don't think he's quite up to this level. So maybe for me, one more striker before the window's mm -hmm. done. And John, from a transfer point of view, again, same kind of question really. Was there anything that, or let's word it this way, what was the, the one that made you spit out your cornflakes the most? The, the one that you thought either, wow, I can't believe we let him go or I can't believe we got him in? I think. Anyone who went, you were kind of predicting it. Um, Murphy was potentially a bit of a surprise on the day when the, the transfer news emerged, but actually you look at the money we got and the fact that the fans weren't really on board with what he was trying to do and they were getting on his back from time to time, that move made a lot of sense. It was um, the money that surprised me there. It was I mean, that, that was maybe a good me. four or five mil more than, than I thought we maybe could have got. Yeah, I'd have thought, I mean, I don't know what the fee is. Um, it sounds like it's about 10 or 11. I'd have thought maybe seven or eight would have been about right for Josh. So, yeah, fair play, good business from the club. But I guess what that did allow the club to do is not be held to ransom for James Madison. So it was mm. smart business in that respect that our bargaining position was strengthened. Um, so there was no real surprises. Actually, um, in terms of what you said, Dan, I was really excited by um, Felix Paslak because we've bemoaned the form of Ivo Pinto over mm. and over and over, pretty much on every podcast, because he tries really hard, he runs up and down, You know, he'll get a chant off the fans because of that, but he's got no end product. And playing as a right wing-back, mm. I don't know if Paslak will add, and maybe you could offer us some insight. I think Paslak is not at all the finished player. He's played a handful of games with Dortmund's first team, 
Hoffenheim last year was brought into a club I thought was maybe a level above him at that stage okay. in his development and didn't play much at all um, after Christmas especially. So he's raw, um, but obviously he's a player Daniel Farker knows well from their time at Dortmund together. So um, as a youth player, was one of the best young talents in that position in Germany. Scores goals mm. for youth team level as well. So comes in as, I think, wing-back more than a, an old-fashioned mm. full-back. But, um, yeah, we'll see how he goes because he's a pretty raw player. And it's interesting because it seems like Ben Marshall potentially may be the preferred right-back on Saturday if we're talking about um, a back four, which is what we've played in, in pre-season. And I'm just, you know, given that Paslak is potentially Farkas signing and he knows mm. a bit about him, it's just interesting that Marshall has got in ahead of him. He doesn't seem to have played much in, in pre-season, um, but then it hasn't exactly been a settled team in pre-season compared no. to for example last season we did play mostly the same but for I me mean, it's, it's been Zimmerman and and closer who who I, th- I think the um uh, the pinken lads put together a, a graphic earlier this week about the, the total minutes through pre-season and those two were almost double the next the next nearest ones interesting that they played exactly the same number of minutes obviously started and come off at the same time um so let's go through the squad then starting you know, remaining at the back you, you touched on it already Dan so Angus Gunn we've lost 46 appearances there you know an ever present last mm-hmm. season um Tim Krull he mentioned um which I, I wonder whether or not the those with a PR leaning at the Canaries kind of put their hand over their eyes when he when he mentioned unprompted about well I'm hoping I'm going to come back from the injury so what 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 do you think that might do in terms of um, reducing him being the player as you mentioned that, that turned out in a World Cup finals um, only four years ago I know I've, look I mean Tim Krull as a goalkeeper at Newcastle was terrific as a young player but he had a lot of injuries um, and then lost his way didn't get back to full fitness and by that time Newcastle had moved on really so comes here with a point to prove hungry um his pedigree down the years is impeccable. 150 He's still younger, not, by the way. No than, he's still bad. younger than Kasper Schmeichel, which sounds a crazy stat. So, you know, the guy's got years left in him. Um, if he stays fit and comes in as, as a free transfer, I'm sure he's on decent wages. But um, certainly a goalkeeper who, OK, Angus Gunn was something a bit special. But I think Krull, with Norwich not having much money to spend... He's probably as, as good as they could have done to replace him. Yeah, agree. And that gives Remy Matthews just one more season to prove either as number two here or on loan somewhere else that he can cut it at this mm. level. I think that's the important thing with the cruel transfer is it's not the long-term solution, but it buys us a bit more time to find that solution. But is it not the long-term solution? He's 30 years old in goalkeeping terms. It's nothing. he stays no. fit, it's nothing. You know, He's got another five, six years in him. And, and I think that will prompt Remy Matthews potentially to move away from the club if he's the number one. I, I think it might be less that Remy Matthews can do it at this level and more Remy Matthews can do it in the way that we want to play out from the back. Um, the, he he seems to have that skill set, but there did seem to be a confidence issue um, during pre-season. Um, the reason for that, we'll, you know, we, we don't necessarily know. Um, but so stay, staying at the back, um, looking at the, the next kind of notable change from, from this year's squad to, to last one's is obviously we, there's no longer got Harrison Reed there in his place with the number four shirt, which has excited a few people because we thought maybe that means he's going to see some first team footballs, Ben Godfrey. So he's someone who you really would like to have the kind of breakthrough jump up that, that, that Madison had. But I think being more conservative... Um, what I wrote in that pre-season piece was I was hoping that he might have a Harrison Reed style season, i.e. an injury goes down somewhere and you get the impression that during pre-season he's already played about six different positions. He would probably do a job left back, do a job right back. Just so to me, I think, I think he could end up getting 20, 25 appearances this season, filling in for people around the squad. I don't know what you boys think. 
I think he could get more than 20, 25 appearances. Uh, personally, it sounds like he's a better defensive midfielder than he is anywhere else. Um, I don't see him as a wide option. I think right back, left back. We're really stopped there now, aren't we, width-wise? Potentially, uh, but I just don't think he's that kind of player. I think he is a ball player. Grant Hanley said it in a pre-season interview. He's got too much football to play centre-back. Um, so I think we'll see him in defensive midfield when, inevitably, Tom Tribal, Alex Tetty are injured. Or suspended. It, it, or suspended. <laughs> and it is going to happen during this season regularly. Yeah, but I saw the uh, the old uh, the injury report uh, looking into this week. You know, well, Teddy's expected back in brackets chicken box. <laughs> Don't think I've ever seen that on on, on the ticker before. Um, well, allegedly he's back for Stevenage. That's what he's aiming. He told a mate of mine that yesterday. Okay, well fingers so. fingers crossed. We don't miss him too much on Saturday. But we'll come come to that shortly. Um, so again, talk about wide options. Um, Murphy's gone. Uh, Watkins, you know, he would probably call himself an option, uh, which would be a bit overstating the case from, from my point of view. Um, but I, I'm really intrigued by, by Marshall. Uh, he, um, uh, speaking of mates of mine, um, he has said that he has come with the express intention of crossing the ball. Um, and I think if we're going to talk about combinations of, of players we have signed, the combination of Marshall's crossing and, and Rose's finishing, I think are, is maybe the biggest one-two slam dunk change from this season to last season in that there were a lot of times we would bemoan a quick ball into the box. A lot of times we'd bemoan, well, what's the point in just slinging a ball in there if there's no one there? Rhodes lives off, and you know, when he was more prolific earlier in his career, and similar to Cruel, similar to Pookie, he's got a, a point to prove. To, you know, I can still do it like I did before. Um, and I, I think that one too of, of, of Marshall desperate to put the ball across and Rhodes desperate to get on the end of something could be the difference in terms of us having a plan B at the same time as our patient football. I think that's an important point with uh, some of the businesses that the squad that we've got this season is much more Farker's image squad, isn't it, than the squad he had last year. Like Josh Murphy, uh, clearly an excellent player on his day, but he wasn't a Farker player. He didn't play the way Farker wants to play. Mm-hmm. Nelson Oliveira is another one who, on his day, can be excellent, is not a Farker player. Players like uh, Rhodes and Puki and Marshall, much more in the Farker mould of nippy, making those little runs in behind, getting on the end of things, that Josh Murphy, in particular didn't do he, he had the pace and all the skill set to make those runs in behind into the channels the way that Arnold Hernandez did towards the end of the season I think Marshall um, to go to him I think um, he was a lucky at Wolves because he kind of came into Wolves as Paul Lambert was there then he went and suddenly he wasn't Portuguese so, so his face didn't fit mm. so he got kind of bombed out at Wolves and loaned out last season so a player comes in knows his division inside out he's done well with a number of clubs in the championship it's a, pretty, it's a fairly modest transfer fee. It's a fairly low-risk transfer. I think Marshall, as you rightly say, is a player on that right-hand side who can do great things this season. I, I always like to, as most people in this day and age, have a poke around the, the former players' clubs. It was fascinating looking, for example, when Rhodes was transferred. It was almost a 50-50 down-the-middle split. I can't believe we've managed to, to offload him versus I can't believe we've let him go um, and this shows what's wrong with our club and then with, with Marshall um, it was just full of Millwall fans bemoaning that they'd lost out and how much they loved him and how much you know they really enjoyed him and I think I can see the potential whilst considerably lower quality you know probably of that, that snoddy element you know the, the kind of player that is that is putting a ball in regularly you're going to side with him rather than the players who aren't there to finish it off 
Um, so I think he could be, he could become a fan's favourite if he's encouraged and, and allowed to, to cross the ball in. Um, so the the biggest kind of omission, obviously, is James Madison. So we we will mention the fact that you know we're we're losing you know, forty one appearances there uh, and a huge number of goals and, and, and assists. Um, I think that there is the potential, particularly from set pieces, for uh, Mo Leitner to come out of his shadow. Uh, and and be able to affect the game a lot more. I also think we'll see him playing a bit further forward, especially when you know on the five times a season that Tribal and Teti are both fit or, or not suspended. Um, so, but trying to pick the, those those forward players, still a complete toss up, isn't it? Whether whether or not our new Argentinian lad is gonna 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 start, whether or not he's gonna go with with Marshall from the start. I mean, we, we've heard that he's gonna be four at the back, which suggests there's not gonna be as many kind of wide players. So. Who do you think might be the, the, the starting two or three other than the, the Rhodes or, or Puki whoever's going to lead think, the line? I uh, think Hernandez is the one that's penned in to guarantee to start. Then I'd probably say if they are playing a flat... Because uh, it'll probably be 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one, so if we haven't got Teddy Saturday. It won't yeah. be 4-4-2. Four, four, so you'd think the four across the middle would be uh, O'Neill, probably Kenny McLean, Leitner and... Maybe Tribal. Marshall. Oh, no, Tribal's no, going to be in, in behind them, isn't he? 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. So he does Tribal in the defensive role. No, I think uh, Godfrey will be in that defensive role. Tribal and Lightner will be in the midfield too. McLean will be wide-ish left. And Anders will be right. And then you'll have uh, Puki off Rhodes. I'd be shocked The tip bits I've got from um, the camp during pre-season uh, is very much along the lines of McLean is someone to really look out for. Mm. And that he, um, again... Everyone, everyone's gonna what wants to know who's gonna be the Madison of this year. But from 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 a slight insider voice, it does appear that he really has does seem to have kicked right on this summer. And that that kind of finishing the season, knowing that he's gonna be kicking on a step last year, has has really really helped him sort of confidence wise. So I, I think that he's he's the shoe in to start Saturday as well. So you're starting him in the centre with Leitner. Uh, I think it will be. I, I think it will be a. a a four one three one one. I think he's more of a central so drifty drift about him. Uh, yeah, I, I think Rhodes will be on the bench, but I, I would much rather they risk Rhodes from from the start personally. I mean, I've seen neither of them play in an orange shirt, not not being able to get to any of the preseason games, and they they omitted any Carroll Road ones from the schedule, um, and so the pitch better look good. Uh, week on Saturday, but uh, good. but I, I've I've already decided Rhodes is is is, is my horse that I'm back in. The other interesting thing I'd quickly say on the squad is that uh, there's a few players in there, Zimmerman, Steeperman, who've all now got an extra year, Vrancic, yeah. an yeah. extra year of championship experience, which will be really vital, I think. Like, Vrancic was a really good example. Has Steeperman got a year's championship? I mean, he's, he's been well, signed for the club for a year, but he only played a five. Yeah, he's he featured a lot in pre-season, though, in fairness. It wouldn't surprise me if he starts on the left and you have Nandis on the right. Vrancic is the one for me. Like there was This time last year, a couple of us could see Vrancic's ability couple of us couldn't but then he really started to shine after 30 games getting used to it and I think this season it <laughs> took him 30 games <laughs> I, think I, think I, I think that's unfair though because we could all see Vranch's sure ability I think we, sure could, we all still can <laughs> we couldn't see the, the good work that he wasn't doing in the middle of the park in terms of hustle and bustle and he started to do that at the end of last season and that's why he was a different player Okay, so moving on to predictions for the biggest surprise shock this season. Um, I think um, I was l- looking at the, the transfers because um, 
well, you'll see why when we come to the quiz a little bit later on this evening. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bristol City have done some really tidy business. Um, I hadn't realised that they've, they've had a bit of turnover and looking at the players they brought in, um, notable exception, Marley Watkins, they really seem to have, have done some, some tiny, tidy bits of work there. Like they lost Vyman, which I think at this level is a fantastic signing. They've lost like their they second top scorer Flynn, though. Yeah, who he scored a shitload of goals last season. But they, I think they've been there and thereabouts for a while, so they're, they're building. Yeah. Well, Sheffield United today just confirmed Ben Woodburn. Yeah, yeah I think they're a couple of dark horses for next season. I think they tipped Sheffield United ones. for uh, relegation. You tipped Bristol uh, City for relegation as well. Uh, no, 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 no! I said that they would, they would, they were due to lead to struggle. They're due to struggle this season. I tipped both Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday to go down, or, or, or to be about, calls, purely man. because I got into it with <laughs> with those fans on Twitter the day I wrote the preview, <laughs> uh, and I hadn't done any research, so I thought that would do fuck it. Uh, in terms of surprises uh, elsewhere in the division, I think it's a really open division. Like there aren't any standout, guaranteed nail on. They'll be up there, thereabouts. I think Middlesbrough for me are. Either the favourites or they're going to bomb, and I said in the preview, same as last year. Either stable or stale. It's one of those. Is it going to go either way? But I I don't know if it'll be stale, given that Pulis has come in kind of midway through the season. He's now had a good look Mm. at them, and they will be superbly drilled. Do you? um, You made a really good point, Lorne, with uh, in, in our hallowed WhatsApp group. That realistically, there are about 20 teams who are in Norwich's boat with regards to how difficult to predict they could be mm. because are, are they going to gel aren't they um, and, and I know we're going to come on to um, the listeners questions but it's worth kind of mentioning one of the one of the points that came out of lots of the things that were asked this week on Twitter um, was what, what's the key for Norwich to really um, guarantee kicking on or for a championship club to kick on and for me it's, it's momentum um, and momentum comes from um, momentum will result in, in confidence and that's what's going to help you grind out results and, never, and that feeling of never being able to get beat and what creates momentum and confidence better than, than scoring goals you, you need to have that proven goal that's scorer that's what they missed last season yeah. you know, last season there was a lot of stuff there that was okay but what they couldn't do was turn especially at home possession into goals mm. now you brought in Jordan Rhodes if they can find a way of unlocking even half his Huddersfield or Blackburn form there's a player there who's going to get you 20 goals easily in this division. So I think the addition of Rhodes and one or two of those attacking midfielders who've come in as well, the wide players especially, I think this team, unlike last year, on paper has goals. I think, and that bodes well for Norwich this year. I think the other thing is comparing Norwich to the other 20 teams in the division who are in their boat and what might make us gel quicker is that we are very much signing players who fit a system that we know we're going to play. We're not a scattergun signing people who just become available now I don't know how much other teams are doing that or not doing that but you for me it's every team is doing that right, every, every team thinks they're doing we thought it, we were doing, doing, doing that they. when we signed Watkins um, <laughs> I, I, see I don't think Marshall does fit that I don't think Marshall is a, is a Fark style player at all because he doesn't have wingers who bomb on and, and constantly cross the ball in quickly that, that's not how we've ever played. But do you think we'll end up playing him there? Is he a kind of right wing-back, attacking wing-back with a bit of If we're going to play four at the back, he's not going to be a wing-back. No, but I think the way that we've set up and the way in which we've balanced the squad now this summer is we can play three at the back quite easily. We can easily transition into 4-1-4-1 or 4-2-3-1 or whatever it may be. But we've got technical players. And there are Marshall is a technical player from what I've seen. All right, he wants to whip the ball into the box. Completely take your point about that. But... 
he is a technical player who can do the possession bits, who can be neat and tidy with the ball. And if he's at right wing back, I think you're going to see a different kind of player. He doesn't want to play right wing back. He wants to be a midfielder. He sees himself as a midfielder. He's always played a midfielder. So I'll be really saying that the answer at right back or in that position is to yet again go another season playing a midfielder at right back, which is what we ended up doing last year. So right was the back plan. Was up to it. But I don't know if that was a plan. Felix Paslak seems like he was the plan at right wing back if we're going to play three at the back. Um, but he hasn't, be, imp- look, he hasn't impressed look, in pre-season. It'll be three at the back. If we ship three or four in any of the first three or four games, yeah. he would immediately revert to type and, and go back go back the way. I mean, f- f- the way the signings were happening you know, throughout early July, it looked like we were playing 3-5-2. However, yeah. it seems that there's been a change of heart, possibly because we haven't got Teti um, for, for that first game and maybe Teti's a bit further ahead than they, than they think. Teti! Should we go on to some listeners' questions? All right, so the first one is from... A nameless person, Egg and Cress is back on Twitter, who asks, The unthinkable happens. We are bottom three after first ten games. Do we stick or twist? Tom, I think we know your answer, mate. Uh, ten games is a little bit early because there are wow. there are no, <laughs> there are a number of uh, there are a number of new players and new signings. Um, and games do come thick and fast, particularly at the start of the season. Um, and then it kind of tails off September, October time for a little bit with international break, etc. And then really ramps up again November, December. Um, I think that you, you, because you have given him all of the summer, you have to say it's start of December, we see where we are. So like 12, 14, 16 games, um, heading towards 20 games. If we are within four 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 results swing, you know, around 10, 12 points of where we need to be, playoffs, then the season is by, by no means over. It's perfectly savable. If it's any more than, than that 12-point swing, um, you, you, you're starting to need to go on such a kind of Sunderland under King-esque run or that, that incredible Dermot Reading team. You're going to have to go on such an incredible season run or our own Alex Neal recently. That Millwall last season. Or any one of numerous examples. Yeah, but you, but again, you're relying on that incre- on you know really really bucking the trend for for mice and um, so I, you know I, just just because I'm the, the jury is out for for, for me well no, the, the jury's very much in <laughs> and it's not not on his side I I've got my reservations and but I think they're really logical reservations I set them out and when we put them in in the the preview article we did actually get several people say you know albeit they seem to point out it was reluctantly. That they, that, they perfectly, <laughs> that, they, that they perfectly agreed with me and, and I don't believe it's a pessimistic thing I think it's just based on having watched a, a year of Farker football um, I, want a, I want to see him make an, an unenforced substitution that changes the game I want to see him you know, before 65 minutes but everyone wants to see that of their manager so why am I not allowed to want it at Farker but if everyone wants it's that. not. what I'm saying is it's not an outrageous opinion to want your manager to be able to change a game. Cool. I, yeah, so Why I will I, disagree is I feel that, he has the ability to do it. Yes, yeah, so I feel that I don't I can't pick a single time he did it last season. I think nearly all of our positive results were based on the players being up for it that day. Um, there is I I feel there's clear signs that there's poor man management there because of the huge ups and downs in individual players form. Um, you can pick a couple of examples where people got better and better maybe as they grew into the season. Um, but there were too many players who would have a blinder and then only a few days later play terribly. So tell, talk to me about that, though, because yeah. I am interested in that. So individual players, name them. For example, Hernandez, in, in, the, in the run-in to the season, had a really, really impactful hour and then also came on and, and had half an hour 
um, a couple of a few days later and we did absolutely nothing with the ball. But that's the nature of wingers, isn't it? They're either yeah. electric or they're garbage because they're solely judged on in product most yep. of the time. Uh, I would also say that Vrancic, whilst there was a positive trend, a lot of that I would put down to getting more used to the championship. I don't think Agreed. that we we I don't think we suddenly saw. Um, him try things and be more confident. He was still he still occasionally tried those balls around the corner early on when when he looked promising early early on in the season. I remember in pre that pre season game where Marley Watkins scored scores at Brighton. Um, he looked terrific um, that day. Uh, but it's that so just just looking at the squad here. Likewise, you've got people like Zimmerman. Okay, there are individual kind of human error mistakes and, and very few managers are able to eradicate those. Um, you, you've also got players like um, Josh Murphy. Now, he might not be a player I fancy. He might not be a player like, from a manager's point of view. He might not be the one that I picked. It's your job to motivate the people that you've got in front of you. It's your job to understand that you're an 11th year veteran who's, who's a millionaire and you're a lad who's just, come, who's just signed his first pro contract. And as a manager, whether it's of um, a, a factory producing packets of crisps or millionaire footballers, your job is to make people want to come to work and do the best they can for you on a regular basis. Um, so I, I feel it was a collection of individuals who might have got on pretty well in, in kind of cliques with the team, but there are too many things to me that point to it's not actual shape, it's not actual tactical nous that's doing that. So the defence seemed to get tighter massively at the best of actually being cutting edge going forward and that was another thing I put in the preview article that that's another thing that we clearly need to see I appreciate against some teams you have to set up differently sometimes you will be more defensive um, that's fine but we, we there, there was, didn't seem to be a single half of football where we both looked tight at the back and attacked really well at the same time we either had all of the ball so looking at I think it was, was it the Bolton game where it was nearly at half time and we absolutely battered them. And then second half we looked awful, completely ropey. All, all Parkinson did was march up the field 20 yards and Farker was completely stumped. He had no idea what to do to get round that. So, but for me, you've named two players there who came from Germany, who grew into the league. And we can agree on that, that they both grew into the league and they were both yep. much stronger players at the end of it. Potentially not due to Farker's coaching, as you say, due to getting used to the league. And you've named two wingers. And so I think the individual man management thing, unless I'm missing something, is a little bit harsh on Farker because Murphy from the start attitudinally didn't look like he wanted to be here and to me kind of seemed like his body language, he just didn't get on with Farker and he didn't understand what Farker was trying to achieve. That's, ter that's terrible man management. But Murphy but did exactly the same. But is it? Or is it the fact that Yes, actually, it is because really strong managers don't get that kind of reaction from players at all, or... They Paul Pogba at Man United. He, yeah, he's a bit of an enigma, and he's got a ridiculous attitude problem because he is one of the world's best footballers. I don't think you're comparing chalk and cheese there. I mean, I, I, I would, think I would we point were... back to I would point back to people like Alex Neil, people like um, um, Paul Lambert, two recent managers that we've had who have managed to have settled squads who produce very, very consistent um, amounts of play, getting players like. Michael Nelson to constantly play above themselves to know what their limitations are and not try and do things that they can't do I think that's fair about Lambert I think Alex Neal actually was a bit of a 15 month wonder in terms of we had 
well, no, not even a 15-month wonder, because actually halfway through wonder, the year, six-month six, wonder. But what, six months? But it was almost the rotor effect, you know, to, just a heightened rotor effect where he came in, he was a disciplinarian, he got his players well drilled, and then actually they got really pissed off with mm. it and didn't really want to play for him after that. Mo Leitner is another example who, who was in and out in terms of he would affect a the game, then yeah. he wouldn't affect a game. So again, like, it's another example of a German coming to the league and adapting, isn't it? And, and I guess that's the, yeah, but he, the but intricacies he, but, but that we don't all, see. All of, them aren't, all of them aren't a perfect correlation of... Oh, okay. I've, worked, I've I've clocked how I need to do it. How, well, how never I need will to do it. Life is much more complicated than that. <laughs> Bottom three after ten games. Dick or twist. I think the club has been built for Farker, so I think this window especially there are players there who either he wanted or have been bought for his system. So I don't think, barring the most horrific start, i.e., ten defeats from ten or whatever, they'll make a knee-jerk decision. Um, they have to improve this season, no doubt about that. Last year, what, 14th place was not good enough, mm. even with the players they had last season. But I think this season, barring that catastrophic start, he'll be there come Christmas. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think the way the club has been geared up in the last 12 months, it's geared up. They're giving Farker every chance to succeed. And this is the season where he has to produce yeah. something. This is his season. I think last year was about settling in and getting his feet to the table. This season, he must deliver. Um, so I think he'll be there for the long haul this season, but if he doesn't deliver this season, I think this will be his last. Yeah, well, I he, totally agree. I also think that if he, if he is deemed to have performed well and there's no promotion at the end of it, this will also be his last season. There's been no noise about another contract. Correct. He's out of contract mm-hmm. at the end of the season. So you think we finish seventh and we don't give him another contract? I think he'll, get, he'll, he'll be open to offers elsewhere. Because I... I I don't really see any reason for him not to be. So we're ripping it up and starting again. I, I'm not saying the club will get rid of him. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying I'm, I'm saying okay. that, that let's say in January, January February time we are second, third, fourth. You know, really in amongst it. You know, not eighth, ninth, tenth. Like genuinely in the playoff yeah. places and looking like you know we're scoring loads of goals. Roger scoring goals. Marshall looks terrific. Zimmerman and and, and Closer look like rocks at the back. You know, with Hanley we look solid. This, you know, he's, it's working. It's absolutely clicked. Um, I've changed my tune. I've been proven wrong. He's he, the, the man's a legend. Of course, we'll be offering him a contract. They'll be they'll be you know really really kicking on, and they'll back him in the in the transfer window in January. Um, but any kind of middling season, if we haven't seen anything like the ups and downs of last year, he's he's I don't think they'll be offering another contract because like, they'll they'll need to basically look to try again, build on the same mould, the same style of football, the same um, patient football, etc. And maybe even look German, look continental again for the next appointment. But I, I don't, I don't feel that there's, I don't feel that there's that much love between the club and, and Farker at the moment, the top okay. brass and Farker at the moment, because they don't make any noises to suggest there is. Whereas there have been with other things like you. Again, I know Lambert had more success, um, and I know, uh, but even with Alex Neil, there seems to be more noises from the club saying that this is our guy, we are going to back him, and things like that. Whereas Farke doesn't seem to be played like that. I think it was a different setup though, then, wasn't it? Where your manager was your kingpin, and now you've got Weber, who potentially is supposed to be the linchpin in all of this, and you know you can pick up the head coach and pop him somewhere, you know, kind of pop him out of the club and, and bring someone else in. It hasn't really evolved like that for me. Farke does seem like more of a manager mm. than we were sold it. See, this is a bit more light-hearted. So this is from Nick Hayhoe, who wrote an excellent article on longcomenorwich.com today, um, who asks, who does each pod member consider to be their second most disliked team after <laughs> Ipswich? Individually, not as Norwich fans as a whole. The more irrational, the better. <laughs> oh, there are loads of teams I hate. QPR, 
Chelsea. QPR, why QPR? Yeah. Fairly innocuous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the QPR thing stems from the sort of Harry Redknapp, let's yeah. throw a load of money at everything, Cherno, uh, not Cherno Samba, that's Count, isn't it? Uh, Christoph Samba, days. I just Everything about that made me mad. Chelsea, the fact, that they, the fact that blew up in their face so much to me kind of cancels <laughs> kind of cancels <laughs> that. Oh, it's yeah. pleasing, but it doesn't make me hate them any less. Okay. Uh, their stadium is an awful is view, poor. almost it wherever you poor. sit. It's horrible. To I still get prefer it to Selhurst. Yeah, Ooh. that's also bad. I dislike. That's a toss up, that I, I, dis- bad. I dislike Crystal Palace for no reason other than the how unsafe I feel at their ground. It's horrible. I hate, I've watched a couple of turgid new nils there as well. <laughs> I hate Chelsea for their fans. That's a good enough reason, I think. Dan, can you professionally say? I don't hate anyone. I mean, that sounds weird. I mean, as a Wolves fan, I don't even hate West Brom. Um, I hope they'll have a poor season this year. But, uh, you know, I think um, there are clubs you obviously like to see win and clubs that you're not unhappy to see lose. But um, I wouldn't say I hate any club particularly. I mean, Ipswich, you know, having lived and worked in this region for a long time, you know, I don't even hate them, really. It's, uh, you know, I'd love to see them have a decent season. Obviously not as good as Norwich, but... Um, yeah, I think uh, I'll sit on the fence and say I don't, I don't really hate anyone. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about you, John? Um, Leeds, purely because they're, some of their fans are massive twats. I really like Leeds. Love so Leeds. you know what, I love... Marching on together, love them. I used to really like the late 80s, kind of early 90s Leeds team. And then walking away from Carroll Road, there was loads of fans just giving it large at the train station. And then we walked around the corner and they specifically waited. There was a group of 15 of them. And there was a dad walking with his must have been like seven, eight year old son, and they just walked up behind him and just twatted him. You just think, what mm. is the point in that? Yeah, there's, but there's, there's, twat- there's, twat- there's twats everywhere, but they were particularly twatty. Mm. See, so yeah, mm. for, for a similar reason, I uh, revel in every bad thing that ever happens to Celtic, which doesn't happen very <laughs> often. Sim- similarly, because when we had that friendly against them recently, I saw three or four, I mean, not only did they leave the city in an absolute state, um, I saw three or four incidents of just utter loutish, twatish behaviour. Um, so, it, it, like the tw- the two times they've conceded a goal in in the last like three years, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it, and I hope they have a, a horrible fall from grace. See, for the for that same friendly evening, and then since that uh, politically because of St Pauli, I really like Celtic and really dislike Rangers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of the same. That I saw the Celtic fans in I think it was the Bell Hotel beforehand, and they were absolutely brilliant, amazing. So it's it's just about individual experiences, isn't it? So we kind of answered this already, but this is from our friend Andrew Kent, who says, what would you regard as the most important factor to getting a team promoted? Team spirit, great goal scorer, tight defence, luck, etc. That's kind Goolsba. Of answered, that's Goolsba. That's, Goolsba. that's what you're saying, Lorniba? Uh I think luck. Luck goes a long way in the championship, given the teams are so similar. You need, you need to score at the right times. You need that little break. For example, we go back to that Bolton game. Uh, last season where it was nil nil at half time and Leitner had a really good chance just for half time take that chance we go in 1-0 up we almost certainly win that game and that was in a little run of games where we were playing really well and you think had we won that game we might have kicked on that one missed chance possibly derailed the rest of our season and I think great goals for helps team spirit helps tight defence I think well, obviously all of those things you need but I think luck at key moments is a huge thing yeah. I think as well this league's changed I think Years ago, that was all true. You know, a great goal scorer made the difference. Now, it's money. I think, you know, you look at the last couple of years, Wolves last season bought the league, basically. I think if you have owners who can put that kind of money in, or even, you know, not that as much as Wolves did, 
you have such an advantage in, in this division and that wasn't always the case it was always a level playing field but now you'll see clubs with owners with big checkbooks almost buy the division again so again Norwich have to try and you know, fight against that Newcastle you know keeping all of their squad together like they did you know mm. that, that was that was similar but I think playing into that injuries is, is potentially one of the most important things for me because you look at the successful Norwich teams of the past and I'm specifically looking potentially at the um, the worthy team of 0304 yeah pretty much the same 11 mm. every week as soon as Huckabee and Crouch had come in and all right, I know Crouch went and, and then we kind of had to um, buy McKenzie and Svensson but you could pick the first 11 straight away and hardly any of them got injured similarly if you look at last season the kind of key axis of Tribal and Tay hardly played together and when they did we won most games but I would also say that, that was, that's also a throwback to a star player will win, will win you a division um, or, or, or you know go up yeah. because um Hux was just unplayable and he was the best was player ridiculous. in the division and, and that when you've got that it, it makes such a difference I mean, it's similar to, to having well we had the best two players in the division when we had Wes and, Wes and, and Holt you know they were the best two players in the division and they nearly all of the time were, were the best players any, any weekend in that league and you are going to score enough goals to, to get you through have we got any other um, questions? we have got some other questions so this is from Daniel Moore um, and it says, do we think that James Madison will be able to improve sufficiently enough at Leicester to earn a place in the 2022 England World Cup squad? And I'd call that and I'd say he's going to improve sufficiently to be in the Euros in 2020. I think, I think he's that good. I he's think, um, ready made for it now. What I've seen of his pre-season games for Leicester, he's already fitted in there terrifically. Mm. Um, we saw here last season, at, what, 2021, he's got a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a good move. I think he's gone to a club where he's going to play most weeks. I think had he gone to a big, big club, he'd have you know sat on the bench, you know Jack Rodwell style, and never been heard of again. So, I think he was clever to pick the right club. He'll play games there, and yeah, we're going to see his career trajectory just go up and up and up. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's one of those where you feel like he might not even do the whole season there. Like he could, if he um, he steps into Mares's boots, they're ready for a new hero. You know, if they have a decent season and he is right in the thick of it. Um, they could be funding off massive offers from a from a club in, in fifth or sixth that needs to do it, and he needs to do it in the Premier League. He needs to prove it in in a Prem. Hux didn't think he'd go for that much, if you remember when we had him on, yeah. on on the pod towards the end of last season. Um, but so clearly that there is the confidence there that he is going to be able to, to kick on. Um, and and you have to admit, you know, most Norwich fans watching the coverage of the England games when um, this this summer when people were when pundits were saying, yeah are we actually creating enough from open play etc most of us were just going oh, I think Madison would if you, if you had him in there yeah. in, in, you know it, it sounds crazy to, to take out a Lingard or take out someone I mean I, I would have played Loftus-Cheek more, more than, he, than he got played because I thought he looked terrific whenever he had, had the opportunity but um, yeah I think in, in the Euros if he has two 30 to 35 appearance Prem seasons with Leicester I'd be amazed if in that time he doesn't show the world mm. what he can do and, and by you know, September, October time, match the day he isn't regularly being talked about as a, as a gem. And and as we said at the time, it fit, we feel like we got really good value. Um, and it's nice that it, he's he's similar to when Edie went made the same journey. It feels like yeah, fair enough. You gave us yeah. some really good early years. Likewise with Bellamy, um, you know, you felt yeah, fair dues. You're too big for us in this situation that we are in now. You you we've really enjoyed you know watching you've created loads of goals for us. Um, and and now for the rest of his career, because he went in such good terms, it just means you'll always have that. You'll always yeah. be chuffed every time he scores. Yeah, hats off to Farker for getting out of him. 
<laughs> nice. Um, and our friend Richard Freezer, I think this is the last one. The run against the scum will come to an end sooner or later. No. Would you take it this season if it meant we got playoffs and they got relegated? And I'll kick off with undoubtedly yes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they, they can beat us 10 0 twice if they go down. Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't care about them going down. Yeah, but if we got playoffs and they got I'd relegated, take playoffs. that's lovely. Um, Did you not enjoy that a little bit? I'd enjoy it a little bit, but I don't know if I, I'd I wouldn't leave, enjoy it I'd as leave much. It 2-0 on both games. I wouldn't enjoy right. it as much as I'd hate losing to them. I I was so so close to leaving at one nil, uh, on like the ninety third minute. Does it make me a bad friend that I wish you had? Have you seen the footage of the guys who did, and then they kind of run yeah, back into that, the yeah. stadium? Yeah. So I was with my brother that game because my dad, through ill health, couldn't do the last few games of the last season, and so my brother was with me and. Uh, had it been dad, I think we'd have gone. I think we'd, I was, uh, but there was just something we thought, yeah, I just can't, I cannot give up on him. I can't because it's scum. I can't give up on him. But I was so worried about hearing that lot celebrate it. But um, it, I think I might, the feeling might have been better than the semi final, even though it was only a draw. Because it was just so funny. For that five it minutes, and then so when you went on Twitter later on that evening, and their fans keep posting the reactions, it's, so it's getting so better. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> One of the greatest pieces of radio commentary ever. Yeah, yeah. that's why we played out of it so many times. <laughs> um, we always forget to do this, so I best mention it, Dan. We um, offer some exclusive Along Come Norwich stickers to the best question of the week. Would you like to pick the best of those questions? The best question. Um, I think what they were now. Can you just refresh my I memory? I can. So obviously we've had the scum one just then. Oh, hang on, I'm just going to What's the most phone. important thing about going to the championship? Yep. Winning yep. the championship? Who the Madison dislike? question. What do you do after Who 10 do you games? dislike? And what do you do after 10 games? I think the first question of the, the 10, 10 games, games, that got a good debate going, so let's go with that so one. So we don't know who you are, um, short of you are just at NR1Caro, but Egg and Cress is back. If you are listening, get in touch. Slide into our DMs, as the kids say. Yeah. Cool. I think they do. Uh, we have got a, a, a game to preview. It's the first game of the season at Birmingham. Um, as it stands, Lorne and I are trying to convince uh, Punt to spend the spend Saturday either in a car or on a train uh, on, on the way and on the way back. Uh, let's go around the table and talk about... Um, we've already kind of touched on the fact that really we don't know what the team's going to be because um, it's too difficult to, to pick. But um, Birmingham, obviously, under that embargo, etc., been a bit of a clown car this summer. Mm. Surely we're going to start with a win, aren't we, boys? I'd take a draw from the first game of the season away from home. But yeah, why not? Let's win. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would be typically Norwich to go there and, and lose 2 0 or something ridiculous like that. But I was, I was speaking to a Blues fan for the Along Come Norwich preview, which will be on the website later this week. And I just wonder whether there'll be some kind of siege mentality out of this and all of the players will have been settled because. Ultimately, they knew that their futures were pretty much sorted because of this transfer embargo. So they didn't do much business outwards. They haven't done any business apart from, I think, one player they've signed kind of inbound. I don't know. Um, the Championship's a funny league. They, they could start like a steam train. Who knows? Although, I don't like Gary Monk, so hopefully mm -hmm. not. What's the professional view, Dan? I think Blues have had an awful summer. Um, they're a club in free fall. Almost went down, what, two years in a row now mm -hmm. and have got away with it both times. Gary Monk's the kind of wild card. We know he's a very good manager. Um, can he get the best of that limited limited squad? I don't know. I mean, I think, OK, it's away from home, but I think it's a nice first game for Norwich, this, mm. given Birmingham's situation. So 
they can go there and win. I think, uh, I think as you say, a draw away from home is in this division not a bad result. But yeah. um, I think they should go there and, 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 and think they can win it. Excellent. Okay, so after that game, we've also got a, an enthralling cup tie coming up against Stevenage, but that doesn't really excite us very much. What does excite us is that it heralds the dawn of the singing section at Carrow Road. Andrew Lorne, would you like to tell us more? Certainly, Tom Parsley, I will. So what we're doing is, obviously at the start of the summer through Along Come Norwich and Barclay and Norwich, we organised the crowdfunder to make a bit of money for this season, to do what we can to improve the atmosphere at Cow Road. There are plans in place for a lot of the early home games. We're going to try and do something a little bit different at each game. So with the Stevenage game, we're having a singing section. What that means is the club have put aside 150 tickets at the back of Block E, the back five rows of Block E. You can get them by phoning up the ticket office and saying you want to be in the singing section. And what that will be is 150 people who want to be there and who want to sing. Because one of the accusations we get levelled at us all the time is that we're the song police and we insist that everyone sings, which couldn't be further from the truth. What we want to happen is to get all the people who already want to sing to be in one place so that they can do that without the effect of that being diluted by people who don't want to sing being in those areas. So we're trying to create a situation where there is choice. If you want to sing, come and sit with us. If you don't want to sing, that's fine. Don't come and sit with us and we'll see how it works at the Stevenage game. And then there are plans for other things at early games this season. There's going to be some flags, there's going to be some displays, there's going to be a march, the usual sort of stuff. But we're going to try and spread it out so the impact really lasts into the season. 150 maybe doesn't sound like a lot in a capacity of 27,000, but at the under-23 games... I don't think it'd be 27,000 at Steve. No, but the capacity of the stadium. um, What we found at the under-23 games is when we first started doing that and we had the same idea and it was much easier because the club could just give you tickets because it was free entry, we started that with a group of about 30 and even in an empty stadium we made enough noise that it was remarked on by the players and that 30 grew up to about 100. We never got 150 at under-23 games and we were making enough noise for it to be noticeable in an empty stadium around the ground. So it should, it might not sound like a lot, but it should be excellent. And I think actually we've, it's, it's worth saying at this point, we've gauged that number based on initial expressions of interest by email. So the club were really happy to give us the whole of the lower Barclay pretty much for a lower singing section if we were going to sell it. So if people want to get involved from any area of the ground, if you want to shift your seat for a game, come and join us. So that's what I've done. I'm not in the Barclays tradition. I sit with my dad, but um, dad can't quite motivate himself to go and watch Stephen Inch when he doesn't know if this team's going to be any good yet and he's got a dodgy hip he's getting used to walking on. So therefore, I am, I'm in uh, row V with these two boys uh, making as much noise as possible. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, and I've sat in the Barclay maybe 30, 40 times over my um, quarter, of a, quarter of a century going to Carroll Road. Um, and it really does depend on how the cookie crumbles as to whether or not you ha- tend to be in one of the nicer pockets or, yeah. or, or the pockets who, who would kind of sit down. And the, the actual debate's been really good. A group of, uh, of my friends have uh, basically moved out, made sure they're out of the way because they, they've got a couple of older members of the families going with them who, don't, who you know, to quote, don't want to watch football through flags. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And, and that, as, as Lorne says, that's exactly the point. At no point are we, are we saying... Um, that you shouldn't be allowed to come in unless you're able-bodied and able to jump up and down and make those noise and that's the way you want to watch football. The point is we're saying let's make sure there's a, in the same way that there is an area where you're going to be able to have a nice comfy seat and see the game, there should be a place where actually you might need to stand quite a lot to be able to enjoy this and actually it's going to be quite noisy. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It's about uh, creating choice and not imposing what you want to do on other people. Be that you want to sing so you don't impose that on other people, and you want to sit so you don't impose that on other people. Go to the place where you want to behave in the way that you, that section will behave. Okay. So, relatively short pod today, because obviously we don't have much to talk about because we haven't got a fucking clue how good Norwich is going to be. Um, so, we'll be full of opinions after we've made the trip to Birmingham. Um, we've got some really, really exciting guests already lined up. Um, as you can tell from Dan, we've prioritised the ones who uh, went down very well with our Nodgecasters last season. Um, but it, now, as always, we're going to round off with the quiz. Um, so, my gorgeous assistant, Lorne, is going to get his timepiece ready. Um, and we're going to start off with uh, Dan, the guest, as we always do. It's six questions, Dan, in yep. case you don't remember from last time. How, do you remember how Dan did it on last time? Three or four? Fairly middling, I think. Well, I, I think, think we it was, was decent. Okay. I won on a tiebreaker. That's the only reason I remember. You <laughs> gave him some lovely Bundesliga questions. You did. You did. Right, yeah. So, so this, uh, this week, um, the, the questions are about uh, the transfer window uh, and also about a little bit of uh, World Cup trivia as well okay. to, to, to nod to that that's just gone, gone past. Um, I have made an effort... Um, to make the questions of an even stature. Um, <laughs> if Lorne pipes up about it not being fair, I will not make the same effort for the rest of the season. <laughs> um, he'll, he'll pipe up if he loses. Okay, so, Dan, your six questions. Mm-hmm. Remember, if you pass, we'll move back on yeah, and we'll go around again until you yeah. get it right. Your time starts now. Where did West Ham sign Philippe Anderson from? Lazio. Correct. Where did Emiliano Buendia join Norwich from? Girona? Incorrect. What nationality was the goalkeeper who became the oldest ever to play in a World Cup finals match? Egyptian. Correct. Where will Marley Watkins play his football Crystal City. Correct. Who are the latest club to waste a sizeable transfer fee of over £7 million on Patrick Bamford? Leeds United. Correct. Which team set the record for the fastest ever World Cup yellow card? Cool. Um... Morocco. Incorrect. Where did Emiliano Buendia join Norwich from? Almeria. Incorrect. Which team set the record for the fastest ever World Cup yellow card? Um, Portugal. Incorrect. When did Emiliano Buendia join Norwich from? Hetafe. Correct. Uh, which team set the record for the fastest ever World Cup yellow card? It was after 15 seconds, which is mad. Wow. Um, Uruguay. Incorrect. You can keep going. You've got a few uh, seconds. Spain. Incorrect. Belgium. Incorrect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're fucked, mate. Jesus Gallardo. Mexico. 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 15 seconds. I don't remember it, but it's mad that, isn't it? So, five out of six. There is a good tiebreaker. Should we just go to the pub? Hold on, Dan. Right then, John. Your first they, they were quite easy questions this time. I've tried to make them equal. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, eh? <laughs> uh, John, your time begins now. Where did Arsenal sign Lucas Torreira from? Hmm, pass. Where did Timu Puki join Norwich from? Bromby. Correct. What was the only goalless draw of the World Cup tournament? Oh, shit, I know that. No, pass. Come back to that. For whom will Lewis Ramsey play his football this year? Um, Leicester. Correct. Which midfielder have Stoke signed for over £11 million this summer? Missed that. Pass. Which team boasted the oldest goal scorer at this summer's World Cup? Um, Senegal. Incorrect. Where did Arsenal sign Lucas Torreira from? Pass. Uh, what was the only goal draw of the World Cup tournament? Um, pass. Midfielder to join Stoke, 11 million? No idea. Uh, oldest goal scorer at the World Cup team? Costa Rica. 
Incorrect. Um, where did Arsenal sign Lucas Torreira from? No, pass. I'm, not, I'm getting no more. Uh, goal is draw. Pass, pass, pass. Okay, start naming some teams from the World Cup. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, all of they were harder questions. Uh, let's have a guess. So the goal is draw was Denmark, France. Correct. Awful game. Panama, oldest goal scorer. He's correct. Yeah, that was the one against, I was trying to think of. Uh, Again, it was the last group game. England, yeah. It was England, yeah. Did you Sampdoria. Italian. Yeah, we got that then. Did you get the Stoke midfielder? No. Nigerian boy, can't think of his name. Tom Inns. Tom Inns. Ah, is he a midfielder? Good old Nigerian boy, Tom Inns. Yeah, I also did not see that at all, but according to the internet, it happened. And as always... If, if I see it on the internet, irrelevant of whether I misread it, it that's a fact. Right. So two out of six. So you still need to get five, otherwise it's going to the guest for the first game of the se- for the first pod of the season. Lorne, your time begins now. Who will Gerard De La Feo play for in the Prem this term? Everton. Incorrect. Where did Tom Scully join Norwich from? Who is Tom Scully? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which team won all its World Cup group matches without conceding a goal? Uh, won all their games, didn't concede a goal. Belgium. Incorrect. Uh, where will Tristan Abrams play football this season? Exeter. Correct. Uh, which former scum striker has left Peterborough for Derby this season? Uh, Jack Marriott. Correct. Um, name one of the players to both score and miss a penalty at the World Cup this summer. Um, pass. Uh, who will Gerard De La Feu play for in the Prem this term? Watford. Correct. Uh, where did Tom Scully join Norwich from? Uh, Leeds. Incorrect. Which team won all its World Cup group matches without conceding a goal? Brazil. Incorrect. Uh, name one of the players to both score and miss a penalty at the World Cup this summer. Uh, oh, um, Modric. No. Uh, where did Tom time. Scully join from? Time, time, time. Tom Scully is an under-23 youngster. I've heard from, the name. Joined from Everton. Good for him. Uh, the team which won all its World Cup group matches without conceding a goal... Uh, Uruguay? Correct, Dan. Nice. Good knowledge. And, That's why he's won. Uh, the two. <laughs> one of the reasons. The two players. <laughs> <laughs> the two players to both score and miss a penalty at the World Cup. Ronaldo is correct. And Griezmann. I'm so sure when I remembered Modric. Cool. Well done. It was actually Gilfie Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson. Yeah, mm. Gilf. So um, we didn't get to do the tiebreaker, but we'll give a go at it anyway. How many shirts did Nigeria sell prior to the tournament, oh. according to Nike? All of them. Three million. Bang on. Boom. I win. Yeah, well done. I'm lucky, Dan. Which I believe was all of them. Um, I, I, I don't, well, all they sold out. I, sorry, I asked for a, new, a numerical you didn't. answer. How, how many? In my head. How uh, many is a number? Yeah. Oh, welcome back. New season. Um, here we go again. Thank you very, very much for listening. And uh, it's a sign off from me, Tom, and also from Dan. Thank you for having me again. From John. See you back. From Lorne. Look after yourselves and goodbye. Take!